0: Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Hello, and welcome to Changing the
0: Lost, Vanity. Vanity is a first edition Chronicles of Darkness game set in Southern Florida during the year 1993. Father Katrina, played by Tillman, Raymond, played by Chris, Isabel, played by Andrew, Frank, played played by Slavic and Adam as a storyteller, as they uncover the mysteries of the true Fae and forge new paths for themselves in a world of beauty and madness. Follow us on Twitter at twin-cities-vtm for channel updates, and we hope you enjoy this episode.
2: Hey guys, welcome back to Changeling the Lost Vanity. We're going to pick up where we left off last time, Frank and Manny had just picked up Isabel from the hospital. She was put under arrest by a police officer after basically freaking out and seeing a true fae. She called the the police for help, thinking her home was broken into. She started to see and experience a grotesque hag tormenting her and and haunting her from mirrors and other hidden places of the house. And in her hysteria, she was put under arrest by the, by the officer on the scene. And he brought her into, he had an ambulance pick her up and bring her to the hospital to make sure she was okay and, and not on drugs. Or he questioned her, her mental stability. Isabel gets cleared from the hospital and Manny and Frank go to pick her up. They've just also experienced something quite crazy. Followed Melissa into the, the hedge of the crow, the, uh, sorry, the hollow of the crow people where they were basically attacked by a figure known as the Swamp Daddy by the other members of the Crow people. You guys were able to escape unharmed. Melissa, on the other hand, died a very violent death. So Manny is, is driving the car down the street. You guys had just sort of had this very intense conversation where Manny began sobbing in front of the, the two of you, Isabel and Frank. He asked if, if you guys wanted to pledge... To defend each other he he broke down crying saying that he didn't want to live if, if you guys weren't around you guys talked him out of going down the the road of, of making pledges and he's kind of just sitting in the car right now he has the 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 gun in his hand uh, he's loosely holding it his fingers not has it he doesn't have it in a position where it looks like he's holding it ready to shoot or anything like that it's he's just he's just merely holding it and as he holds it it kind of it's just an object to him. It's not even like he pays mind to, to the power that he's, that he's holding when he just kind of like waves this in the car. He stops crying. He, he wipes the tear from his eye with the hand that still holds the pistol. And there's silence for a few seconds. And he slowly starts to chuckle. He says, if you guys tell anybody I cried, I'll kill you.
0: That would be bad, man.: That would get like an actual chuckle from, <laughs> from Isabel, you know?
2: And he dries his eyes, and he tries to regain his composure, and he stops and he thinks, I think, I think I'm going to need some help to deal with this. I think I need to call in a favor, and it's not something I want to do, but I think we need to get everybody, every changeling we can, every member of the Freehold, every person in Miami I can convince to come down. It's not what I wanna do, but I think it's what I have to do.
0: With uh with the you know, the joke leading in, you know, she took a moment to like I said, laugh and but now he's like getting serious again, so she's Isabel's just kind of in quiet reflection, like she doesn't really wanna she doesn't really wanna talk about it, you know? But it's something that has to be talked about, so she's not like unless he directs a question or something at her, she's just listening.
2: At this point right now, the car is stopped. You guys are pulled over on the side of the road and you can still hear cars sort of passing it's daytime right now i want to say maybe the early afternoon nobody's slept in a in a in a while and so the car's pulled over and he just kind of looks at both of you guys he puts the gun back into the glove compartment and opens up the glove compartment again and kind of like gives it a second look just like almost testing to see make sure it's it's in a, a easily accessible position he shuts the glove box, opens the glove box, shuts the glove box, opens the glove box, and he's kind of just distracting himself, and he he says, I'm owed one favor. It's something I never really wanted to have to call, call upon, because it involves the Miami summer court. It involves Grandfather Thunder. He's a fucking asshole. I do need his help. We just don't have the numbers that, that they do. They're twice the size of us. If I could get him to listen, maybe... Maybe he could send down some people that could help us, some other summer court people, some people who want to fight, some people who are, who are willing to, to defeat, willing to challenge the, the things that threaten our freehold and other freeholds in this, in this area. If the true fae comes back, if, if something crosses the hedge into our world, it's, it's trouble for both of us. They're our neighbors. And I think he'll understand that. Plus, he owes me. I just hope he doesn't try to get me to promise anything. Frank, what do you say about this? Uh,
3: well, if you think it's what should be done, Isabella? I don't know what the right thing is. I'm just scared.
2: I understand. I'm scared too. But I'm also mad. I'm angry. When I saw that thing crush her skull like that, and I just felt totally powerless. It just it just makes me so angry. That's why I know I have to go back. If I know if it's, it's a- the
0: right thing to do, then do it.
2: Okay, then it's settled. I'm gonna call Norma. We need we need more than just our court. I'm gonna ask her to initiate the hunt of the leaves. And let me see. Frank and Isabel, I want both of you guys to give me a please give me an intelligence plus occult plus weird.
0: Nice. That's like three dice for me. <laughs> I'm just rolling a chance die. Nothing. Oh, I got a success. Okay, so Isabel has no idea what that is.
2: Okay, yeah, this word is completely foreign to you, Isabel. This this phrase. Frank, it, it rings a it rings a bell with you, maybe because of time you spent with Raymond and just hearing about the Autumn Court and what type of stuff they do. The name at least is something you've definitely heard. So Manny just he he like catches himself and he he starts to he starts to explain it. It's a it's an Autumn Court ritual. Basically, if if we get the Autumn Court to to practice the ritual to declare the hunt on whatever the fuck that thing was, Swamp, Swamp Daddy, Swamp whatever, the weird will be on our side. Then together, we can use that to to track it down, hopefully get rid of it, hopefully just put a stop to it. And then out of character really quick, I just want to explain what it is. Okay, so it's, it's one of the rituals for the Autumn Court, and it's something that the Summer Court also highly enjoys, and it's something that basically Autumn Court initiates and Summer Court... Will usually take part in. It's called the hunt of the leaves. And basically what it is, is the autumn court will declare a hunt on something. It could be a true fae. It could be a, a human. It could be another changeling. It could be purely for sport. It could be to solve a problem. You know, it's basically, they just, they ritualize the idea of calling the hunt. And that's something that the the autumn court does. The summer court, being the court of anger, being the court of wrath, and the ones that want to, strike out against the true fae and strike out against the things that threaten changeling life. They're very fond of this ritual because it, it almost allows them to take part in their summer nature. So Manny tries to explain, and you can tell it's 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 almost difficult for him to try to wrap his head around. He never really talks about the magical. He never talks about the the weird side of things. You've never heard him say the word glamour. He just... He, he's very disassociated with that side of things, but he says he needs norma, and it's I need to call her, I need to tell her to get it started. she'll know what to do she'll get more people to help
0: yeah, as long as we do something we something is better than nothing
2: we We need to all be together now. It's the only way to stay safe does he have his own like cell phone? He has a car phone okay. it's not a cell phone, but it's it's he spends a lot of time in this car and it's like a it's like a black SUV, very luxurious interior, leather seats and stuff like that. And he has a, a car phone set up inside with with that really curly sort of wire, you know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. this this big, bulky brick of a thing.
0: Okay, I mean, as long as he's got something, so he can do what he needs to do. Yeah, I was gonna offer up my phone because I know I'm like one of those people who has one. But You're one of the
2: very few. For now, well, not few, it a but... couple
0: years and yeah, it'll explode. Yeah, so I'll let him make his call. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be quiet and just let him talk you know be respectful of his
2: conversation and so he he looks around at both of you again and then he kind of he, he picks the phone up and he begins to dial and he takes the phone and he puts it to his ear and he turns away almost like he's almost like he's turning for privacy and then he just he just catches himself and stops and just turns to to face the both of you guys like he's he doesn't want to retreat and have this be a a private talk this is this is something that you guys are all now you're all in on this together. That's what I'm trying to say. And there's silence in the car as he starts to starts to dial and you don't know if this is his his calling in the favor with the the figure he talked about from the summer court of Miami, grandfather thunder, or if this is him calling Norma. It's just he he just punches in some numbers and he puts the phone to his ear and he's turning around in the seat facing you guys. The phone rings for about three, four rings, and then finally the phone is answered. You hear a woman's voice on the other end. I'm going to stop there for one second. Katrina, you are standing in the living room of Norma's house. She's just sketched a, a picture from the, from the TV of a man who was arrested. His famine was visible through the television screen, and you were both able to recognize that this person being arrested was, was a changeling. He was part of a a group involved in conspiracy to abduct children. It's something that was just like this terrible clue that was kind of thrown out at Norma and you as well. Norma had just experienced somewhat of of a mental breakdown. She retreated into her closet and began crying in private. You went upstairs to go check on her and make sure if she was okay. And she pulled you in and confided in you that she didn't think she was fit to be the leader of the court anymore. Her fear was overcoming her, and she didn't think she had the strength to to stand up to whatever's going on. Just moments after, she went down the stairs. You had showed her what was basically this breaking news unfolding on the television, and in a way, it filled her with this new fire. She began trying to sketched down the face of the the person being arrested, the changeling being arrested on the television. It's almost like it gave her this new sense of purpose, this new confidence to try to see things through. So you guys are both standing in the kitchen. She just finished adding some finishing elements to this sketch she had done. She's no longer looking at the TV the clip has already played. She's just trying to jot more things down, add more detail to the sketch from memory. And she's a pretty good artist. You you note know the remarkable likeness to this person that you basically just saw a glimpse of on TV and how similar it is to the, the sketch that Norma's just done. And she's sort of rushing around in a frantic pace, just trying to trying to get things together. She's getting herself dressed. And before, everything was at a very calm pace. She brought you back to the house. She made you toast, tended to your wounds. But now it's like she's, she's rushing around. She's putting her shoes on. She's getting herself dressed. And basically, it's almost like she's, in a way, she stopped paying attention to you. She's still acknowledging that you're there, but she's kind of just like moving past you, grabbing things, putting them into bags, locking doors. She's, she's acting very manic, but it seems very purposeful has been going on for about 45 minutes since the since she sketched the picture since you guys just saw that on the news katrina do you need another change of clothes uh uh, yeah maybe are we going somewhere i we're gonna have to do something i
4: sure i agree but what's your plan norma
2: uh, i don't know yet i don't know yet uh look uh here take these jeans do you think these will fit you uh, yeah, okay. whatever. I have another pair of sneakers over there if you want, um okay, all right, we just have to make sure we're ready to go at a moment's notice, and she's just like you know she's she's sort of like pacing back and forth, she goes to do something and remembers something else, and runs backwards, and then the phone starts ringing, and she just darts over to it and picks it up, puts it to her ear, and doesn't say anything. You hear a male voice on the other end as. It's, it's, it's very muffled, and, and Norma, just in agreement, just says, okay, I'm starting it. Consider it done. And she hangs up. What was that now? Like- that, that was Manny. Listen, something's oh. going on right now, and we need to get everybody together. Yes, yes, good. Excellent. Our, our court is, is few people now, as, as you know. We've lost two people in the past few days, but we need everybody so I'm gonna make some calls. We're gonna convene here, and we need to prepare.
4: You think people are gonna come? Like, I think not even everyone showed up to the party, and that's like
2: no uh, no strings attached. I hope so. This is this is more important than the party. This is this could be life or death. I do we have something like
4: a a, a warning call or?
2: Well, that's the idea. Manny has called for the hunt of the leaves. Katrina, can you give me that same role, the... Um,
4: Intercult and weird?
2: Yes. Can you actually do a plus two to that as well? Because you're like a deeply entrenched member of the Autumn Court.
4: <laughs> that means I actually have two dice.
2: <laughs> also, I just want to mention, it's, it's not like totally uncommon to not be familiar with all the rituals of Changeling society. I've seen
4: um, successes.
2: Okay. So yeah, your it that name doesn't really mean anything to you. That kind of uh, just sounds like some Harry Potter stuff, even though that's not a thing yet.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh step one of our rituals. It is. It is. Okay. What does it what does it entail?
2: We're going to call upon the hunt. We're going to get every court member we can here. We're going to do the rites. We're going to reconvene with Manny. I'm assuming, and then we have to go after whatever it is. Are you with me, Katrina?
4: Well, yeah. I think don't don't uh, put it like that. If you try to get everyone together, sorry, what? Um, when you try contacting everyone in the freehold, don't put it like that. I think people will will be scared. Um, I mean, they will.
2: Maybe you're right,
4: but they will try to push away the the, the responsibility. Maybe, or I don't know.
2: Surely that's what we've, what we've seen. But those that are true will heed the call. They have to.
4: Hopefully. Well, anyway, where's, where's Manny at? We can uh, go I right didn't now. tell
2: me. He's, he's trying to get some, something together too. He just told me to start it and he'll contact me again.
4: Okay. So what do we do?
2: Give me 10 minutes. I'm going to make some phone calls. I'm going to get as many Autumn Courtiers as I can to meet here. And then we'll start. Right. If you want to help, just help by readying yourself. Just Do you have a second phone, maybe? Uh, just a landline. Okay. Feel free to use it if you, if you need to.
4: No, I mean we could reach people faster.
2: Well, I'll tell other people to make calls, too. All right. Every person I'll call, I'll tell them to start calling. Look, maybe one person shows up, maybe three people show up. I don't know, but Manny called it, and I know he wouldn't if this wasn't. And she stops.
4: Oh no, this is definitely serious. Like that this, guy on TV. I was gonna say we need to find Manny anyway because of, what we saw right here. He would know.
2: I don't think he knows yet that.
4: Well, no, he would know what to do. That's what I mean.
2: Yes, yes. He he'll know what to do. He'll definitely know what to do. Okay, Katrina, I am gonna leave you for ten minutes. I am gonna go into the other room and make some phone calls. Look can right. You boil some water.
4: Boil some water. Yeah, r- sure. And I head into the kitchen area.
2: Okay. We're going to switch for a second. Back in Manny's car, you guys just saw him basically have this very, very brief phone call, presumably to Norma. He picked up the phone. He said, I need you to initiate the, the hunt of the leaves. She basically said, okay, and hung up. And with that, he puts the key in the ignition, starts it, and he starts driving. You guys drive for about three minutes. Like, very, very briefly, until you get to this this big public beach. There's a lot of people there. It's still still like very early hours, but it's sunny out, and there's like a lot of people in this place. He pulls up into the parking lot, and he just parks in between two other cars. And the the amount of people in this beach almost obscures almost obscures you as a group. You're just another set of, you know, bystanders now. Time for call number two. I really hope this works because, well, this is really going to suck without help. Can't believe I have to call this fucking asshole though. Just give me a second, guys. I, I don't know. I need to try to muster up something to, he takes a deep sigh and he's kind of just staring at the phone that's hung up. You hear the the wind blowing and, and seagulls in the background. And you hear the, the people passing by ahead of you in this parking lot. You can all kind of see through the, through the windshield of the car, through the, the window of you see people laying out blankets, people sitting under umbrellas. There's people playing volleyball. It's just the very prototypical beach that, that you always see living in Southern Florida. And he stares out at it for a second and he picks up the phone and he starts dialing numbers again. Again, these numbers are just seemingly from memory. He doesn't reference. He just starts dialing. And it makes you wonder what his possible relationship could have been like with, with this, this figure of the, of the summer court. What his previous affiliations with them could have been and, and why he's so resentful to, to call this man. But the phone's dialing. It's 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 happening either way. And you see this look of nervousness and dread on his face as, as it dials for what seems to be forever. And just when you think that the phone is not, is going to go unanswered, you hear the line pick up on the other end very very softly through the through the small speaker of Manny's car phone. Thunder. It's a manual and then you just there's silence. You hear a, a muffled voice on the other end. It sounds old. It sounds slow and it, it speaks very decisively and carefully. Look, I I'm sorry to call you, but I need your help. Something's happened here. I need you to I need you to send look. I need you to send any summer court person you can down here. Basically I need you to send anybody you can. This is something's going on. I've told Norma to initiate the hunt and you, there's silence you just hear like further silence from the speaker you hear some some muffled speech very briefly it's just kind of a few words i know i'm sorry i wouldn't be calling you unless i had to you know that you have to know that after manny every time manny speaks there's a very long pause from the other end of the phone and you guys are all just sitting in silence sort of just looking at manny and Seeing him in this state, you've never really seen him before. Sort of, I don't know how to de- how I would describe it. He's, you've never seen him intimidated. He's definitely intimidated right now. It's puzzling. I know you wouldn't call me unless, unless you had to. You hear very faintly from the, the speaker of Manny's car phone, this man's voice, old and serious. Look, I'm, I'm desperate. If you need me to promise on it, I will. But I would think that you had a little bit more honor than that. Maybe I thought that you would just help me because you would realize that what affects us will eventually affect you. And again, a long silence. And this you hear a little bit louder than any of the other muffled parts of the conversation you previously heard just coming out of the, the speaker of, of Manny's phone. You know when you, you're listening, or you're, you're next to somebody talking on the phone? And you can kind of hear like maybe fragments of the conversation, especially if they're like a loud talker or if they speak very like distinctly or whatever, or just shouting into the phone or whatever. This person talks very quietly, slowly, and with a certain sense of seriousness. And he just says, finally, and you hear this part, consider it done, Emmanuel, but you will promise and you will owe me. Okay. I promise. And I owe you. So, are you going to help me or not? We'll help you. Stay where you are, and we'll help you. Manny just sighs and looks out the window. I'm at the beach, the same place that we met the last time. All right, see you soon, Emmanuel. And then you just hear the the disconnect sound as the phone just beeps, and he hangs it up, and he just goes, Fuck, fucking dick. And he stares at the ground a little bit. Well, it's done, though. He's, He's going to send help.
0: Do, it, do whatever you have to do.
2: He told me to just wait.
0: For what? What are we waiting on? We've just been waiting, waiting for
2: them to get here. <sighs> Fuck. And he rubs his hands together. He's just sort of looking out the window now. He's, he's turned the ignition of the car completely off.
0: Can we go get some food or something?
2: Yeah, yeah. Look, let's, let's just walk over to that hot dog stand over there. I'm not really in the mood to eat. But Gross. <sighs> and he opens the, the driver's side door. And he steps out, he steps out he's he's still dressed very immaculately these black trouser pants and a, a white dress shirt. He's not wearing a tie, and he's left his blazer inside of the car, but still it's very i mean it's very inappropriate for a beach in the summertime, but he never sort of compromises that that look to be comfortable at, at hang out in the beach in like a bathing suit or whatever. He's always dressed in that suit. Or that that type of dress, and he steps out of the car. He brushes the slacks, brushes the dirt off his slacks, and he he takes like a long stretch, and he just kind of leans against the against the side of the door. He lights a cigarette. Well, then go wherever you want. Just don't go too far, okay? Like I said, we need you. And he kind of gives Isabel a, a not like a a mean look, but just sort of like a I don't I don't really know how to describe it. Almost like a like a frustrated look. But not at her, just at this situation.
0: She doesn't really want to go anywhere on her own, though. And, you know, sitting around here is something that's going to make her just irritable. And, you know, she's also still, she's barely slept, and she's in a pissy mood to begin with. So I think her reaction will be more just like, you know, with that, she's like, you know, don't take it out on me, Manny. It's not my fault.
2: Hey, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just hungry. it's okay, Frank. Please go with her. Please get her something to eat. Look, guys, I'm gonna hang by the car for a little bit. Don't mind me. All right, Isabel. You know I'm sorry. And he's like he he's like walking over to try to like try to put like his arm around you in a almost like an older brother kind of way. And it's like the way that you see it is just like oh stop, like don't bother me. But yeah, she's she's irritable. Yeah, but he you know he's he's teasing you a little bit. I guess to try to try to make you less mad, I guess. That's not
0: making her less mad. It's not working. No. <laughs> that makes her more mad. <laughs> but uh, you know, like I think she would probably pick up on what he's trying like he's like, "Oh no, it's okay." You know, like she gets yeah. she gets it, but at the same time it's still frustrating, you know? So she just kind of wants she's just going to put some distance between him and her for right now and maybe, you know, some food and time to just like relax will You know, before everything goes crazy, we'll help her out.
2: So this beach that you guys are at right now, it has a few like on-site kind of food options. One is like an ice cream truck. Another is a hot dog stand. And then further at the kind of towards the middle of the beach, you guys are on one of the ends of this public beach. Towards the middle of the beach, there's kind of like sort of like a burger shack type of thing where they have uh seafood, fried seafood, soft serve, ice cream, things of that nature. Burgers, French fries. And as far as like this place that Manny's brought you guys, those are the only real like dining options. But it, like if you if you just wanted to walk or something like. Frank be- is going to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Hell Yeah.
0: It'll be like this, like, unless Frank says something, it'll be like this, like, quiet, kind of, you know, somber meal. Not even, not even something where, you know, she even really wants to talk. So unless he has the words to say, which would be unusual for Frank, I think.
2: You guys are, are walking along the, the wooden boardwalk of this, of the, that kind of lines the side of this beach. I don't know if you have any food. Frank, what type of food are you holding right now?
3: Well, Frank probably ordered a lot of food. So he probably has like a paper bag. Yeah, maybe I, I was thinking paper bag, but maybe a tray, you know, with like <laughs> double fries and two double cheeseburgers with extra bacon. You know, probably a hot dog there, too. God. <laughs> so he's just like stuffing his face. She just- oh, Oh, yeah stuffing his face, but, you know, it doesn't seem as horrible when you're a changeling, because you see him as a giant. Yeah.
0: Well, like I said, unless, like, he has his words to say with her, she's just kind of, like, sh- she's just taking the time to just take everything in, you know? it th- This has been a crazy turn of events, so she's not really in the, I'm gonna talk to you, you're off mood. Just this, like, walking... Like, I don't know if it's late or early at this point, but...
2: It's early in the afternoon. It's about 1.30. Oh,
0: okay. So she's really out of it.
2: Yeah. She's and starving. Again, okay. you guys haven't slept.
3: Frank will definitely offer Isabel some food. Like, really eat something, you know, or I could yes. share some fries with you. No, she would have gotten food, too. Oh, okay. Oh, okay.
0: Like, she, she, yeah. Like, she wouldn't, she wouldn't have, like, turned it down. You know, she'd be like, if it's that late, yeah, she's definitely like, she's hungry. She's worn out. She's grumpy. And just like, you know, even if you like, maybe she's stealing some of your fries, you know, one of those things where like, she ate all her food and then like hungrily looked at yours.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Frank would let her.
0: All the calories. <laughs> A little bit of normalcy
3: is regained. Yeah, I gotta get that clarity up.
2: So You guys are kind of uh, walking side by side down this boardwalk to immortalize or if this was a like a a camera a camera shot of this this giant man giant bearded man walking beside this beautiful woman unlikely coupling both I'm still wearing pajamas. Oh okay, but you're still a beautiful woman so <laughs> so just walking side by side down this this boardwalk together very slow pace just completely exhausted just looking like You've both had their roughest night. So as you guys turn to start to walk back from from this burger shack, which was about, I want to say maybe a three, four minute walk. No, we'll say it's like 10 minutes. You could see this burger shack from where you were previously in the parking lot, but like walking at that slow pace, like on the, on the, the beach and the boardwalk and stuff, it takes you guys about 10, 15 minutes. So when you turn around to start walking back, Something immediately like catches your eye and kind of jars you. You see three changelings, and as you see them, they immediately see you. I'll describe them really quick. Uh, two of them are male, and one is female. One of them is very large, seems to be an ogre of some sort. His skin is a yellowish-grayish color, and there's ripples throughout, throughout his body. His head is completely bald. He wears a pair of swim trunks and no shirt, and you see even on his face mean all sorts of like tattoos and different markings and stuff like that. He's big. He's not quite as big as Frank, but he's still pretty big. And you see, as you two like you guys make eye contact, they start to you start to like kind of like approach them, and they start to kind of approach you. And this ogre looks at Frank and kind of just like sizes him up a little bit. The other two, you're not really sure like what they're kiths or seemings would be or whatever. They have kind of these like troll-like features. They both have have this like similar means, which is interesting. They have uh, these longish noses and their ears are pointed, but it looks like, like notches have been cut out in a very jagged type of way. Uh, one of them is wearing this orange life vest and no shirt underneath. This is the male one. He's wearing this orange life vest, no shirt underneath, very skinny frame. His arms are very wiry and bony looking, but he has an, a mean look to him. He's also wearing a, a pair of bathing suit shorts, and he has like a pair of sandals on. The lady in this group, she has a similar to mean to the guy I just described. Her hair is in this long long black braid that goes down to her lower back and the clothing that she's wearing it's kind of like she's wearing like a pair of jeans but you can see that they're pulled up over this like one piece like bathing suit or something and they see you and they they start to just like walk right up to you guys are Friend you guys sort of
0: tenses up you know yeah i don't we don't know them so like it's yeah. it's like kind of like off putting
2: they're not yeah. part of your freehold. I'll tell you guys that immediately. You don't know them from your freehold. So they start to just walk up to you guys and then they stop and the three of them are kind of sizing up the two of you and they just say, are you friends of Emmanuel's? The large ogre. Uh,
3: yeah, Manny's our friend.
2: We were told to come down here. It said he needs help
3: oh right uh follow me yeah like at that she would
0: visibly relax like she was really like super tense right up into that and when he said oh she's like okay because like he's asking for him and that's like that's not in the situation they're in that's still like you know even though they're expecting people it's still
3: so yeah frank will probably lead them to manny then
0: Yeah, we were walking back to him anyway, so uh, she just kind of, like, she's going to be keeping pace with Frank and, like, watching the others, you know, just kind of looking at them curiously.
2: The ogre leans forward a little bit. How rude of me. My name is Joan. These are my motley mates, Goose and Frog. I'm Frank. They kind of reluctantly extend their their hands out to, to shake yours.
3: Yeah, Frank will probably like, shake their hands. Probably not looking them in the eyes, looking at the hand or something like
2: weird. And
3: are you also friends of Manny?
2: We do not know, Manny. We have heard of him.
3: Oh, well, I'm sure you'll be friends.
2: I have a tremendous amount of respect for your little Manny. You can tell he has this, it's a it's a French accent. It has been so long since I've been on the hunt. This excites me. <laughs>
0: She kind of like, because to her, she's like frightened, right? So, you know, him like, oh, I'm excited. Like, she's like, (laughs) like, you're crazy. Kind of like, that's the thought that goes through her head. She doesn't say anything, but she just, you know, a little bit taken back by that uh, enthusiasm.
2: You look so distressed, miss. Do you not also live to fight? No. Hmm. Well, to each their own, I suppose. Regardless, we are here at your service they sort of like recognizing the direction that you guys were going, start, start to slowly walk with you towards that way. You guys were stopped talking for about 5-10 minutes. So by the time you guys get back to Manny's car, it's been about 15-20 to 20 minutes total. And at this point, there is another... As soon as you guys get back to where you can see Manny in your field of vision, you notice that there's another group of three changelings with manny so you guys uh keep walking you get closer there's a group of three another group of three ahead of you you see them starting to walk towards manny one is already with manny talking and uh he has he has like a very kind of relaxed look on his face as he's talking to this guy the other two are getting out of a of a jeep with the the top down doesn't have that plastic top over it so they're kind of just like jumping out of this jeep and you see there one of them is what you would probably think is a a beast type famine he is covered in this this sort of like grizzly hair and it's this this color that's like gray with like a a yellow stripe like down his entire being his ears are pointed, but the ears are, are like naked. There's like no fur and they're long. They go out about three or four inches. And you can see these like pinkish spots on them as well. It's this very sort of like ugly translucent skin on the ears. The mouth is completely obscured by this thick, what probably would look like facial hair in his mask. He's the one that's actually talking to Manny right now. His clothing, he's wearing like a t-shirt and it's like, you can just see this like just hair just coming out like from the sleeves of the t-shirt. You just see like underneath just these large tufts of hair, just, just being like pushed out. And it's like torn up a little bit as well. It's just like this really dirty, like white shirt and he's wearing a pair of workman's overalls. They're like blue, they're stained with all sorts of grease and stuff like that. And he's wearing a pair of boots and you can see he has like a baseball bat in his hand. The other two, one of them is a darkling, a male darkling, very beady eyes with these very, very dark sunglasses over it that are kind of kind of like the, the frames of them are very small and his eyes are very small as well. And this person is like a, of a lot shorter stature, no hair, just this bald figure, very small, wearing this black sort of a sweatsuit, like a pair of sweatpants that are completely black and like a a jumper that's completely black and these pristine white sneakers. And he just sort of like meekly hops out of the Jeep and you just see him reach into the back and he takes out a bat as well. The third one is another beast type changeling. He's like the last to, to get out of the car. You see these sort of tremendous elk like horns and it's this big muscular guy. Not quite like ogre side, like ogre level of being like a a big guy. But other than these like these huge, obviously, you know, reminiscent of some sort of like deer, like moose or elk type animal, like horns that are protruding from the head. There's no other obvious fame, fame mean that you notice. And this guy is like not wearing a shirt. He's wearing these like really, really like crazy fluorescent neon color short short type of things that were very common back then and he has just like dirty sneakers and you see him he takes this this big like paddle it's it's like a like a cricket paddle or whatever and he just like takes it out from from this back storage area of the jeep and he starts like pounding on it and just kind of like revving himself up the other two changelings that you guys just encountered They see the other ones and they just like, they start kind of beating their chests and kind of cheering at these guys too. And there's like, it's very loud for a second. They clearly know each other and they're just kind of getting revved up. This kind of reminds you of like the parking lot before like a sporting event or something. Just the way that all these guys are acting right now. And Manny's just talking to the the first one that got out of the car. He seems to kind of be the, the leader of this small group.
0: Okay. Isabel is just kind of like, it's a bunch of strangers. It's a weird situation to begin with, and it kind of looks like you know this gang of people getting together to go beat the shit out of somebody. That's exactly. So she's kind of stepping like. back and just kind of like, Ugh. you know, she's kind of off-put by all this. This is this is totally outside of the normal for her. Like even in the whole like changeling society, this is outside of the normal. So like she's kind of taken aback by it all and is really out of place. You know, and that shows on her visibly.
2: When you guys get close enough that all these changelings are in the same vicinity, you guys feel the, the heat of summer, but not just like the actual not just the weather, as this, con- as this group is congregating, they all just have the burning anger of the summer court in their hearts and, and in their minds, and you can feel it. It's, it's a palpable thing that you can just feel in the air. Manny sees you guys approaching, and he sort of looks at you both, and uh, he smiles to see that there's there's three more. Ugh, oh, Frog. And the, the person looks at him and just, just nods. How many more do you think? Wait, which
0: one did he address as Frog?
2: Frog was the male the male in the, that first group that you guys kind of met at that food court, not the ogre, the one that had the long ears with the notches kind of cut out okay. of it. And this guy, Frog, just, like, reaches out and shakes his hand. And he says, hopefully, many more. Manny looks at him and he says, I appreciate you. John leans in. This is the big ogre, the seemingly of French origin. Drastic times call for drastic measures. And he puts his hand on Manny's shoulder and he, he gives him, like, a shake. And Manny sort of looks at the group as a whole and he's like, I want to thank you for coming. Anything for the legendary Manny... And they kind of like laugh. You can tell that on the surface, there's definitely some level of respect between Manny and these other changelings here. Maybe they maybe they know him from just their own history or maybe they've heard of him. You guys have always known that the Miami court and the Fort Lauderdale court, while they're not enemies, they don't really associate. They don't have the same goals, the same point of view, the same interests. But it was mentioned to Isabel that John had heard of Manny and respected him greatly.
0: Yeah. I mean, Isabel respects him. She doesn't know everything about him or anything, but she respects him. And, you know, she expects other people to respect him as well. Like if they know him, he he gets shit done, yeah. you know, and whatever reputation he has is well-deserved. And she knows that. So like from her perspective, like, well, of course they're showing deference to him in some way. Like he is a leader for a reason.
2: So, the group of you guys are standing in a circle right now, basically in this parking lot close to Manny's SUV. And it's kind of just like, there's there's like a lot of this like side talk going on. You hear like the original group of changelings that you guys encountered talking to the other three, asking them about if their drive was long and stuff like that. And there's this casualness in the air almost. <laughs> you know, one of them goes back to the Jeep and reaches into a cooler and, and takes out a six pack of beer and starts trying to, pass them around and stuff. And Manny declines. The man with the the large horns rips a beer off of the six pack and, and holds it to Isabel.
0: You no, know, she's just going to shake her head. No, sorry.
3: Yeah, Frank will definitely have one.
2: When Isabel declines, he'll sort of like move that one over to Frank and just like hand it to Frank. And then he pulls one off for himself. You hear him just crack it and he just pours it down his throat. The entire thing just holds it like that and It just pours into his mouth until the can is empty, and then he just crushes it and throws it, and he starts beating his chest a little bit, and he's just like, he's just revving himself up the way that you kind of see, like, uh, guys in the gym, like, rev themselves up and stuff like that. Oh, hello
1: again, folks. I'd like to tell you about the Facebook group we run called White Wolf and Onyx Path RPGs, Gameplay, and Media. to see you there.